To the ether. Today is Thursday, June 1st, 2023. Today on the ether, the Gelato Weekly Space. Let's take a listen. Ah, the calm before the storm. Hear me, Riz Beard? I need to push some buttons over here. Can you hear me now? I hear you now. Do you hear me? Yeah, sorry about that. I was grabbing some beers, grinding some stuff, and talking to Dave. Yeah, beers are soft stuff, man. I know. <laughs> I feel like every time we have a space, I love drinking like a really strong IPA. I feel like by the end, I've had like two of them, and it's a nice little buzz. IPAs are so polarizing, though. Like, if a, a craft brewery messes up and a beer sucks ass, just throw a bunch of hops in it and call it an IPA. But a good IPA is really, really good. But can you take the risk just trying random IPAs? I think not. Yeah, I do that all the time. My go-to is when I go to a bar or even like when I go to like a beer place i'm like give me the strongest beer you have and it's always like an ipa i want to see you know how strong they can make these babies i think it can't be a beer if it's more than a certain abv they got to classify it as something else and then they get to like, like those like funny crap brewers you got to pour you like this tiny snifter of beer that's half the size of a regular beer and i know at that point you're getting too frou-frou for me it's a beer i'm not going to sip it out of a fucking brandy glass like who does that with beer i kind of wish they had a moonshine beer something like so terrible that you drink and you go blind Daniel's requesting to speak. Should we let him? <laughs> good, hey, good, 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 good. It's going good. How is everybody doing? Pretty good. I'm um, kind of hot as hell. I was like running around all day, went to the park, ran home, had a meeting. And now uh, here we are, Twitter Spaces. You love it, though. Uh, I fucking love it, man. It's nice. I, know, I feel like we're moving a ship. And it's a lot of effort to even move the ship slightly, you know, a few inches this way or that way. But I definitely love the battle of it all. You know, it feels like every battle, we get one step closer to it's like overall dream they were trying to push for. Like the butterfly effect or something? Yeah, basically. <laughs> that was a freaky movie, by the way. That was like Keanu Reeves' best work. Everything else he's ever done sucked. Wait, I thought Ashton Kutcher was in the butterfly yeah, effect. Yeah, what are you talking oh, about? Oh, yeah, it was yeah, Keanu Reeves in the Matrix. My, my bad, I had to mix up for a second. <laughs> you could be in the was... Matrix with fucking butterfly effect? <laughs> I was just watching a YouTube, like, I was watching a YouTube video, got a Matrix recommendation. I'm like, oh, yeah, they got some clips from the Matrix. Let's likely watch the first movie because that was actually good. So I watched some clips from the first movie reminding me that there was, at one time, actually a good Matrix movie, and I had it in my head. Yeah. Now, Ashton Kutcher, was, he was on that 70s show, and that was actually a... a Surprisingly decent show considering how zany it was. Hold on, yeah, guys. I'm not high enough. Give me a second. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> yeah, we're about to fix that too. <laughs> Dave is out here rolling out a amazing joint. So yeah, yeah we'll do that talking. <laughs> hey Chris, how's it going, brother man? Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? I think he was thinking of Keanu Reeves from uh Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That's why he was thinking of Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> I do have to say that third movie for uh, the Bill and Ted movie, I think it was like two years ago, three years ago, they came out. They're like adults now. I thought it was just a money grab, terrible movie. 
but it was actually fucking incredible. I loved it. So enjoyable. I think we watched that together, right? Yeah, we were like tripping balls and, you know, we're watching uh, Bill and Ted. It was fucking incredible. Sometimes a sequel will knock yeah. out of the park and then, but 99% of the time, it's it's just a shadow of the original. Star Wars. I got a really nice gift a couple, um, probably like three or four days ago. I got my friends like, hey, come over. I have a gift for you. And it came over there and it was mushrooms. And I was like, oh, my God, I love you so much. Oh, uh, that's so incredible. <laughs> God, I'm what, so free to go. Yep, so I'm just. Well, like, what kind of mushrooms are they? Are they chocolate or are they like just powderized? Um... No, just straight up mushrooms. Oh. Straight up mushrooms. Yeah. Have you ever done lemon teching before where you, where you grind a mushroom up, soak it in lemon for about 40, like 20, 30 minutes, and then you drink it and it like it slaps you like a truck? No, but th- thank you for the idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably do it in South America. So one of my friends went out there. He found out about it. We rented a Victorian mansion and we did lemon teching, and it almost felt like acid. I was scared for a while, but it was there great. is acid. That's like the point. Is it doesn't like the citric acid like somehow help the the mushroom be more mushroomy faster? Well, yep. So, so I guess it has like limonene in it. It's like the same thing as THC, like the psychoactive um, ingredient, and increases uh, the potency of it so you could do that like that or mango or something you know this is the shit i'm here oh, for. all you like computer engineers i actually majored in biochemistry so now we're getting some interesting stuff oh, right oh and i see rama's in the crowd hopefully at some point he'll come up and uh grace us with its present grace us grace us rama grace us i i feel like we're at the point where try would well, find that. some interesting way to tie back what we're talking about to gelato I, I, I was going to say, you know, now that the people are saying, I'm the people who are seeking should probably get on something. We're not here all night. Oh, man, it should be no surprise to anyone, but I am having barbe- uh, Korean barbecue tonight after Twitter space. So, yeah, I'm starving. Which is hilarious because our weekly Twitter space isn't exactly weekly. It's roughly weekly-ish on different days and times all the time. But somehow it's always on your Korean barbecue day. Dude, that's what I'm so surprised by. I never planned it out. My wife and I were talking this week. She's like, oh, when do you want Korean barbecue this week? I'm like, oh, maybe Thursday. And then we're like, hey, maybe Thursday is the best day for us to uh, have this Twitter space. That's probably your, like, Taco Tuesday. <laughs> that's exactly what it feels like. I definitely have either Korean barbecue or hot pot at least once a week. It's one of my favorite uh, foods out there. I'm a more stereotypical steak and sushi guy, I think. The hot pot is always so actually physically hot. It's like... I, I always burn my mouth on stuff. It's like this boiling cauldron of liquid, but it smells so good, so you try to eat it too fast. It's because you're impatient. <laughs> Must delay your gratification. It's training you. I remember the first time Daniel and I had Hot Pop. We went to this crazy place called Little Lamb, and they had all like, the spiciest broth ever. I had no idea what I was doing, so I started drinking some of the broth, and there was like a spicy like pellet or something in there. I bit into it. The entire night, that's all I could taste. I, I couldn't taste the meat, the broth. My mouth was just gone. Cardamom, Better right? question. How was how the pooping? Oh, dude, horrible, dude. It's almost like Taco Bell. Back in the day, I would go to Taco <laughs> Bell. I would punish myself. I knew it was happening, but it was fucking great. I do the same thing with Hot Pot. Love it in the moment, but I know the next day I'm going to be up at like four in the morning, you know, hey, crying so in the toilet. <laughs> Sir Rama said that um, he's prepping for a work meeting in 25 minutes, but he would have come up if, if, if he could chat. So he's just chilling in the background. Yeah, I'm supposed to be now too, but here we are on Twitter. (laughs) 
I, I feel like we have a good crowd of people. So uh, try or yeah. B band. Do you guys want to kick us off? And I guess we'll dive into uh, gelato stuff. Yeah, speaking of delayed gratification, I guess a lot of gelato people have noticed that the, the Mortal Coinback game has been offline for maintenance for a while. So I don't know how many people in the general community know, you know, but full transparency, um, there was an attacker. He figured out a way to drain some money from the staking is the house pool, which is exactly why we started out with only gelato funds and not community funds. We don't want like our community to actually lose their money. And so there was an exploit. Daniel fixed it. There was, I think, a secondary exploit he still figured out. Daniel fixed that. And now this type of exploit should be completely impossible now. He's also had some safeguards, like there are rate limits if a wallet's playing unusually rapidly. If the amount in the pool just suddenly drops a whole lot in a short amount of time, I think um, it shuts the game down and alarms go off in Daniel's house or something. So things are, you know, he's fixed the exploit and there are some, some you know, safeguards yeah. now. But the first, um, you know, the first iteration was more of like a, a honeypot to attract this uh, sort of behavior so we can, like look into it and see what's going on and what people are trying and to look at the kind of the gaps in the security. Um, unfortunately, at the same time that this is happening, MinScan decides just to poop out and being the only kind of indexing service there is, uh, the only alternative to do, you know, to, to it is to write your own scripts that will kind of reproduce, you know, produce the same data sets, but it's, that's difficult and time consuming and a huge project in and of itself. So, um, uh, yeah, what the fuck's up with MinScan? Like, like my last transactions from ten days ago. Like, why is it broken? Yeah, I I don't know if it's everything, but they've definitely stopped um, something that is supposed to like uh, capture um, transactions related to smart contracts has ceased to function. So now all you get is error four hundred four when you try to look something up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but I've been kind of ranting a little bit in the Cosmosm Discord about that, trying to see if anyone else is equally enraged. But I, I've tried to, you know, reach out to them and uh, get some kind of response, even just a statement of whether or not they're aware of the problem is, you know, difficult. So, um, you know, uh, I know Reese uh, from Juno is working on his own custom indexer. And so I look forward to working with that and potentially helping build any kind of, um, you know, user interface for it as well. Um, but it'll be great to have some kind of redundancy there in case, you know, MinScan just, you know, craps out again. And actually, it's it's still crapped out. Yeah, I, I have been having a shit time with it today. But it seems like the absence of MinScan made tracking down what this guy is doing and fixing it harder. But at least mm -hmm. to our knowledge, that kind of exploit is no longer possible. And there are safeguards built and, in. So if, like, the liquidity disappears suddenly, like, right. in a certain so, amount, it shuts yeah. down. Yeah, so, they, so you Daniel, know, we, could you sort of walk us through maybe... What are some of the changes you made in V2? Because I think Staking of the House V2 definitely has a lot of exciting features. Now, maybe it's the time for a quick TLDR if you're cool with that. I mean, I'll try to remember everything. But, you know, the big picture is that the code is simplified, easier to understand. We also kind of preemptively added in this notion of um, credit to allow people to deposit um, GLTO into the contract and for us to be, then be able to pull and put, you know, to, to pull from that balance or add to it in the case that they win a house game or they lose a house game. But this will enable us to um, allow people to deposit GLTO and then they'll be able to uh, ask our back end to, to authorize our back end to um, execute transactions on their behalf to, you know, for example, to spin the coins or to play around a video poker instead of forcing them to approve through Kepler every time, which on desktop isn't that big of a deal, but on mobile, the experience sucks. Uh, and uh, Wallet Connect is a little bit flaky, uh, at least the way that we've integrated it. And 
I simply, you know, maybe I could fix it. Maybe there's some updates. I just haven't had a chance to go in there and make it better. But on different people's phones, you get a different result. Like Risby's phone always crashes when it tries to go over to the, the mobile Kepler app, for example. Um, so or it doesn't automatically. Is that like zero um, Kepler interactions then, Daniel? Like once I've given Gelato credit, that's my only Kepler well, transaction. Yeah. I can play with and I never have to touch Kepler again. Um, no, it's not true. Uh, we do want to verify your identity. So probably yeah. every X hour, maybe 12 or 24 hours, we're going to get you to sign your uh, Kepler. Be like, hey, verify who you are. And once you do that for some period of time, you can interact with the site without any Kepler interaction. Right. And there will be some period. Usually that's the way all, like authentication works currently out, you know, outside of blockchain is behind the scenes. There's just something that, that's periodically refreshing your 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 credentials to make sure that, you know, you still are who you say you are. So we'll have something similar in place. That's why um, I got to log into my stupid work applications like six times a day. Sorry. <laughs> that's, 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 it's that's, 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 um, oh yeah, the Brooklyn uh, barbecue. I love them. I mean, it, it's not too bad, but definitely in the last week, that's picked, picked up just really loud music. Uh, I don't know how they're they can still hear things personally in their cars. Um, but anyway, anyway, just to continue on the house subject, um, you know, besides this credit system, we also, as you mentioned, put in some uh, kinds of um, safety guards. You know, there there are different kinds of things to consider. Um, like, you know, um, is the the con is the house uh, liquidity trying to be spent uh, by um, is it being triggered by an actual player, like an, an individual wallet uh, account, or is it being triggered by some contract that is posed, you know, a bot or some other kind of mechanism that's trying to play, you know, that's one thing we can, we can discern. Another thing is how often, meaning like both, you know, is this person trying to execute, trying to receive payment from the house on the, you know, multiple times on the same block. You know, in, in which case that, you know, if they are most likely they're somebody trying to do something adverse by writing a custom script that just push, puts a, bu a bunch of um, uh, house, you know, payment requests uh, in a single transaction, as it were. Um, and in addition to that, there's like how often um, or how, how quickly is liquidity being drained? How, you know, both at the level of the um, mortal coin bat contract, like how, you know, like has it spent X percentage of liquidity in the last 24 hours? So like, if so, you know, temporarily suspend the contract from paying out anything more until they can look into it. And the same thing has been applied to the uh, account level to say within a certain period of like every, you know, so often there's a, a maximum limit to how much uh, individual account can, with, you know, can take from the house without it setting off these alarm bells. Right. So we, we have, you know, these are some of the bases for, you know, um, some of the different mechanisms and, and ideas that have been considered uh, in trying to, you know, put these safety measures in place. Because even if, you know, there'll, there'll always be people trying to find a way to exploit the contract, you know, either by, um, you know, just by, by doing something that we haven't considered, you know, by combining things. And there's so many different orders in which operations can be performed. You know, if someone finds some some clever bug or something, you know, that allows them to, uh, spoof the system and, and start draining it of its liquidity, at least, you know, it will have some, um, some, some, you know, uh, the ability to basically cut it off, right, at a certain point. So 
you know, we've kind of addressed the kind of um, different uh, possible attack vectors that we, you know, we've seen so far. But if there's anything additional in the future that happens, we'll still have these kinds of overarching limits in place to prevent the, the pool from being bled dry. So, so the, the, the TLDR is yeah. this kind of exploit has pretty definitely been fixed, but we also have some general safeguards in place. So when someone figures out another exploit, there's at least a limit right. to how much can be lost. Right. And uh, so, you know, um, at, like today, I spent most of today working on some um, final uh, updates to this, like, you know, the, the second version of the house safety contract that is necessary to allow it to kind of scale and continue to run optimally over time as more people add delegation and, you know, just the, the, the size of the complexity of the, the, the contract grows as more people are doing more things with it. Um, so, I, you know, that took basically all day today, honestly. So um, I just got it working, you know, a couple hours ago. And so after this call, you know, I'm going to just um, run a few commands to deploy it on mainnet and it should be back up. Um, and I, I think this time too, you know, for the first, for the first few days, at least, you know, we'll put some um, only at like uh, only gelato's treasury funds we'll put into it uh, and we'll see what happens and see what other kinds of, um, you know, suspicious and malicious behavior uh, we encounter. Uh, it sounds like, sounds like we're getting that. there, but yeah. So it's like one staking is the house opens to the general public then yeah. so that we'll still officially be in alpha testing. So like don't invest your life yeah. savings right away. But, um, like if things are yeah. working well, then. And I think that's the biggest reason why we're purposely going to be adding a limit. So the way we're going to be doing it is once we do some additional testing, then we'll open it up to a select project. They can put a little bit more in, but not a crazy amount. Mm -hmm. This way they can generate real yield for their communities. And then we're also going to do like a 10K limit. So if you want to jump in and you want to try this thing out, you can only delegate a small amount, you know, all the warning signs. But ultimately, you know, it kind of sucks, but we kind of have to build a decent size enough honeypot where we attract more attackers to come in and be like, hey, let's try to fuck this thing up. The majority of it will be our funds, but it's like a constant battle. It, to me, it feels like Super Smash Brothers. You know, we fixed one thing. War is going to come out of nowhere and yeah. try to fuck us up. And, you know, yeah. kind of keep things interesting. So the but time one, frame. One, so go on, Daniel. Mm -hmm. oh, I was just going to say, you know, a good, um, you know, side effect of all this has been the idea of making that the spam list that we talked about last week. So, you know, I, I've made some progress on that as well on the smart contract side. Maybe I would say it's like, you know, 40% written at this point. I've been focused mainly on that, getting this all this done. You know, I had to revamp a lot of the mortal coin back contract as well as the house contract. So that's most of my effort has been going into. Um, I should also mention that like the, the, the way that like the, like tokens are transferred between the user the mortal coin back contract and the house contract, it was a bit overly complicated uh, at first. And so part of the, the difficulty in figuring out how it could be exploited was just the result of there being uh, so much complexity there, you know, to, to follow through the code. So I'm just really happy now that what we have in place is a lot more straightforward. And so if and when there is a problem, you know, we'll be able to kind of trace the, the, the path, like the, the problematic path much more uh, easily. Um, but yeah, the, the spam list, I can't wait to get that going. And I was thinking, you know, a spam list, it's, it's, it's a spam list. Yes. But you know, it's like, it's more than a spam list. It's going to be like, you know, a, you know, a spam list, a bad actor list, you know, um, anyone doing shitty things hopefully will end up on this list. 
and I, I was thinking that in, in addition to just being like a, a list, uh, like a registry of these addresses, these offenders, um, you know, we can, I, I would bake in some functionality to let other dApps use it to kind of um, rate limit their own apps and to like, you know, for example, like we could add functionality into the spam contract that would allow some other game or some other application uh, to, to kind of say that, you know, to tell this, this, the spamless contract whenever a user is doing something and maybe that user can only do it like once per block, or maybe they could do it, you know, like X number of times per, per hour or something. And yeah, once so they big, once big that, picture then, like if someone yeah. stole money from gelato, his wallet address mm -hmm. on a shit list or we're going to tell the whole IBC, right. I mean, making a new right. wallet's easy enough, but at least, you know, right. that guy's wallet address is shit listed now. Right. So in addition to just being like a register, we'll have like mechanisms that other contracts can use that once, you know, um, that will like auto register these bad actors with this uh, spam list if the certain conditions are met. Um, That's pretty cool. I like, like, really like this. What's up, Troy? I was like, like, a, so like a global IBC, like block of code people insert in their contracts to put people on a yeah. list if they steal. Right. So That's like basically it, the goal right there is I feel like you know, I, I had this idea or this vision that, yes, we're also doing an application level, opening it up to other, uh, you know, teams and other contracts that they could also leverage as well. But beyond that, maybe at some point it's just, you know, added to the validator list uh, or side of things as well, too. If you're a bad actor, maybe we don't even process any transactions from you, effectively killing your wallet. So mm -hmm. uh, I think there's so many po possibilities you can take with this. And the beauty is once someone finds a bad actor, this is a way to not let the entire community know versus, hey, they use this wallet to attack Gelato, and now they'll go attack Rack FM, Atlas Dow, and so off. No, you attack one of us, now you know, you're going to be mm -hmm. banned for a while. The first time in maybe 24 hours, the second time 48 hours. And if you do a third time, instead of being banned or you know, put on the timeout, you go on this ban list. You know? So we do want to give people an opportunity. You know, if someone did something accidentally, right. you know, I'm fine. Right. But if you continue to be a bad actor, you should be punished. On that note, I, I built, you know, I haven't fully fleshed them out yet, but there will be like an appeals process as well. So it's not just like a hopeless, you know, if, it, if this does catch on, it's not just hopeless if somebody accidentally triggers it because they're, you know, someone, someone like me, they're just like they're writing code and they, act, they in the process of developing it, they're sending a million requests to do something and they accidentally, they have no bad intent, but they accidentally trigger some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of uh, rate limiting thing, you know, so we definitely need some way of, um, you know, resolving kind of these kinds of issues. So I, that, that'll be in there. There'll be an appeals process. Something, something someone brought up importantly in our community is when we first talked about this, even like this is not something we considered. It was like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm kind of afraid that someone might take this and weaponize it. We say something bad, this is a way to cancel you out effectively. If this is something we can into, integrate on most contract level, plus let's say level, this definitely could be a tool where you could come in and be like, hey, this guy said something terrible. Boom, let's fucking blacklist them. Right. And I hate that idea. That's never going to happen because the only way to actually get on this list is programmatically, right? You have to trigger something that says, hey, you're an attacker, you're doing something bad. There's going to be no situation where, you know, someone says something, so we're like, hey, we're going to manually take your address, or we're going to pop it in here. So, you know, I, I, I feel like that's a very mm -hmm. shitty situation, and yeah, mm -hmm. won't but happen then, here. On top of that, you know, it'll be initially at least only like registered, you know, authorized registered parties who have permission to you know edit the list so it's not going to just be a free-for-all all right so with all these safeguards in place then it sounds like staking at the house is getting there time frame wise then uh, when do you think it'll be open to the public the state of gelato well i think you know um 
I'm going to have it on mainnet like uh, after this call, but RISB probably has more uh, detailed breakdown of the whole like rollout plan. I know at first, you know, you want to go into that, Riz? Yeah, definitely. So after, you know, assuming it goes online tonight and Dave and I are going to try to break Mortal Coin Bet while we're at Korean barbecue, assuming we find no issues, we'll let it run probably into the beginning of the week. And then once that happens, we'll open it up to some of the teams that, that has already gone ahead and, you know, say, hey, we're going to buy gelato to steak. We'll open it up to them. And I think as we open it up to them, we should also open it up to the community. Hey, you know, but you guys can only do 10K and these other projects, at least for the time being, can do a little bit more. And my hope is maybe every other every two weeks or three weeks, we analyze the data and we slowly start removing that cap. And the hope is maybe within two months or so, the cap is basically gone. You know, if you want to go and degen all your gelato, you can. You know, if you if you don't want to, you don't have to. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense, like a slow rollout. Then, so um, I was looking at some of the numbers. Um, if I've read them correctly, in just our test phase of Mortal Coin Bat, like the gelato five percent take was something like eight hundred thousand gelato. Yeah, yeah, basically it was almost uh, a million. And the crazy part is. Maybe, you know, the team probably had to deal with like 300K of that. Maybe 200K was mine because I'm so terrible when it comes to games like Mortal Kombat. But it was actually a lot of people playing. Like if you look at that Google Analytics, you know, which we can share later on, you know, we almost had like 60 plus people just like randomly coming, trying it out, doing the spins. And some people did a lot of crazy DJ and stuff. Like at some point, someone was up by almost a million and they started doing a lot of bad bets and they went right back down to like, you know, under 100K or something. And all that interaction, all those losses goes right back into the house. So as people degen more, the stakers, the protocol, you know, that's increasing for them, which is a win-win. But not just like the staking is the house, getting the loss money, but also like Gelato takes his portion of each game. And so our Gelato, I guess call it a tax, our take is like 800,000 Gelato. So um, I think you put an announcement out, Rizby, like a portion of that's going to each of our NFT holders because 1% of that goes to every NFT series by code, doesn't it? Yep. So the 5% is broken up this way. Uh, the 3% is reserved for Gelato Series 1, 2, 3. You have uh, the 4% is going to be for the Gelato owners. And the last percent is actually for Jiki. So Gelato itself, like the team is not making anything off these games. The way we're going to uh, generate revenue for the team is actually by staking our gelato, generating real yield, and using that to fund projects, development, and other things. And this is exactly what we're hoping other projects will do. You know, like the Ape Project, you got Women of Cosmos, you got, you know, Stargaze Kingdom. All these projects are realizing they could do the same exact thing that we're going to be doing. You know, as we build more games for staking of the house, uh, as we deploy staking of the house to more chains, like we're already talking with Kajura team that we want to build a fun asset prediction type of game with a gelato twist because Kajira has access to, you know, all these amazing, uh, you know, asset price due to her oracles. We can build stuff around that. Yeah, but that hippie stuff is great, but it actually sounds like any normal person who's holding gelato NFTs is going to get a share of 800,000 gelato then, right? Correct. That, that, I guess that was the uh, big point. So if you're an NFT holder, if you're an owner, you know, yeah, you made a big payday. And this is a, from a single game. So imagine when we open this up and we have 10 games now powered by staking of the house. Imagine we have the gelato credit system in place, which is basically almost there. Right. So we make it a lot easier for people to onboard. Now we add Kaido to do a fiat on ramp. So someone can pop in their credit card buy gelato credit, play on the platform, take their credit, and Kaido it right back out. 
And then you add in a mobile app to that because we built our app to be very responsive on mobile web. You can literally take that and create a very, you know, basically a one-to-one app in Apple and Google and release that. So if you put all those pieces together, we basically created a system to achieve our goal, goal, which is to have our grandmas and wives and whoever play on the toilet the way you play Farmville. Make it that easy. And so you know those lines, like we get more staking as the house games, like Mortal Kombat's fun for us. But I mean, your grandma wants to play slots or something. I think our, our official roadmap plan was the next game staking as the house would be video poker because that's pretty intensive. It shows lots of potential. Yeah. Hey, it's actually funny, Daniel, if you, I mean, feel free to talk about it. But after we built Mortal Kombat, we kind of did a retrospective. Like, hey, we're doing video poker next. What do we think like the effort is going to be to do it? And apparently Mortal Kombat is actually more complex than video poker is going to be. So the hope here is video poker should hopefully come out quicker, should be easier to deal with, and a lot of the issues that we solved in Mortal Kombat should yep. apply to video Hold poker as well. That blows my mind. You have to teach a computer what two aces and three kings means, and it knows what a coin toss is. Like, video poker is easier? Well, in terms of the, the ability for us to kind of mathematically analyze and, you know, what, like... Mortal coin that there's, I don't know, 52 different coins with different, uh, you know, parameters and, um, you know, so, so there's like complexity in the back end. It's, it's, it's not like a standard game, you know, it's not well understood by the world. Right. Uh, you know, whereas video poker or, you know, any kind of card game is the rules are well understood, well documented. There are tables, you know, to understand the the probabilities and all that sort of thing. So it's like, in terms of the verifiability of the code, it's um, easier to verify something like video poker versus Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat is 100% idiosyncratic. It's just something we came up with as we were trying to prototype an initial um, contract and figure out how to hook it up to the house. You know, so um, this yeah. is how crazy it was. So if I'm not sure if people saw, but our first version of a coin flip game was literally a pixel uh, coin that does a flip. And then we were talking in our uh, Discord channel, and someone said, "Hey, it would been it would be funny if this was like Mortal Kombat, two coins mm-hmm. fighting each other." Daniel literally took that. Must have stayed up all night or something. The next day, we see Trump versus Hillary. We see Elon Musk versus Jeff Bezos, and somehow it made each like each of them like like some of them called out to me, and that's what caused me to bet on them, even though the odds are terrible or the mm-hmm. payout might not be the best, and it, it got me. Yeah, I mean. Um... Yeah, we, you know, we still um, have some work to do on that, you know, so um, once when we get this, then we get, sorry, when we get the game back online, it's going to be just, um, I think it, it's going to be good enough for us to test, but certainly by um, mid, mid next week, uh, I think our goal is to get it working uh, with noise uh, network for the randomness and the, the verifiable randomness. Uh, and that will also go a long way and kind of, uh, hardening it um, against uh, possible attacks. So, um, so to expand upon noise just a little, a little bit more, noise is super fucking secure. They have a whole blockchain built around it. But when you're interacting with multiple IBC chains doing hops, there's always going to be a delay there, right? At best case scenario, we're talking about two blocks to get randomness back. So I think that's worth it in a lot of case. But when you're trying to find that balance between user experience and making it best for the users, you kind of have to consider that. So because we want to offer noise, the secure solution, and we plan to use noise for a bunch of other things, 
we're actually going to offer two versions of randomness on the Gelato platform. So if you use Noise Network, for example, to get the randomness, you're going to get an additional boost on all your game moves. So let's say the out of a game is like 50% or 51% and you use Noise Network, maybe it's like 52% now. So now you're incentivized to use this secure randomness. But if you're like, hey, I don't really care about that. I, want to, I just want a fast, easy experience. That's where if you buy Gelato credit, it's actually going to use our own randomness algorithm that we're going to run well, in the background. Let me, let me interject. Let me interject there. The, the credit system that we have, it, we'll be able to use it for any approach, either approach. And you know, hopefully, as the Juno block time increases, uh, it gets faster. Um, you know, this kind of won't be much of a consideration anymore, and we'll just always be able to. We'll always use noise. So the credit system is kind of independent of how we, you know, how the randomness is done. Um, but yeah, we can have like an approach which is. The noise approach, uh, which is preferable and incentivized, as you say, and then we'll have something that is less verifiable for those more impatient people. Yeah, or at least, so at least big, big, big picture, noise is a lot, quote, better, but slower. And as the technology gets to a point where noise is only imperceptibly slower, we'd always use noise. But it's, if it's slower, it's not noise that's slow. It's kind of just the, you know, Juno, uh, you know, with the, um, well, the amount of time it takes for, for the, the the whole process to you know the whole workflow to happen you know yeah yeah Juno has to get our transaction it's got to hop the noise request randomness noise has to generate it send it back to Juno Juno has to receive right. it process it so we end up multiple blocks in the future then but, but noise is fast like noise in and of itself is very fast um, but yeah anyway we'll 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 be exploring that next week I'm just excited to get it going because um, now that we have this uh, this source of randomness we can use it in all these other places as well just yeah, unlocking so, a lot of things that we haven't been able to do lately. So the official roadmap then is um, staking at the house. We'll go live to the community in small form in like the next you know weekish, and we'll slowly release restrictions as things turn out to be safe. Our next thing we plan on building is video poker, another fun, more intensive game. Mm -hmm. um, anything else about staking at the house? Ready to move on? Well, I do yeah, I, want to throw uh, mm -hmm. two well, more things in. Uh, actually, Daniel, I'll let you go. I wanted to talk about the NFTs that are associated yeah. with the two games, but this is what, I, what I'm about to say is a complete like uh, tangent, I, I would guess. But, you know, this staking of the house thing is allowing us to kind of represent Gelato this whole, uh, as something that generates, you know, holders of GLTO generate, you know, if they have it staked, then they're generating these real yields. And I just think it's going to be really interesting once we open up the, uh, the staking contract, you know, to other um, projects, you know, potentially, you know, imagine there being other projects that also have some kind of um, house LP. And now you have a DEX where you're trading based on, you know, speculation over the real yield generated by your holdings. So it's kind of, and, and you know, in addition to that, we're, we're baking into the con this house contract uh, report generating, uh, you know, functionality. So we'll be able to kind of print out the last, you know, and you know, five years of uh, financial um, of financials, for example. So we'll be able to kind of represent these these assets these as something that um, is closer to their real world, you know, business analogs, uh, rather than just as some kind of you know disembodied token like you you currently trade on um, you know DEXs, where it's like the value of the token is kind of tied to other things besides the 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 you know the revenue of the of the project it's kind yeah. of decoupled from that. if my day job ever stops kicking my ass i gotta sit down and talk mm -hmm. and write like a second white paper just in the staking is the house mechanic because yeah, there's like a, a crap ton of use cases there and the technology mm -hmm. just without having to have like a gam module or an lp module just doing it our way is pretty freaking mm -hmm. innovative 
Like I'm excited just about the technology, which is I know is a nerdy crypto thing to say when you're down on your money, but also I'm actually excited about the technology. Right. And I think it's gone, gone, Riz. I would say just like as you've described this, I know you've done this to me before, and even now as you say it, it makes me feel the same way. It sounds like you're literally describing like a stock market of of sorts, right? People take people use this technology to build their LP, have some type of way to generate revenue, whether it's through building cars making games or something like that. And it goes back into the protocol, the stakers. And now mm-hmm. you can take all that information and represent that. Be like, Hey, this token, you know, if you buy it, which represents a share in gelato or share in this other company that's using this protocol, this is how much they're generating. This is their, uh, you know, financial right. history. This is right. where, they're, where they're looking to go. It's almost like you're actually, instead of betting on tokens now, we're kind of betting on companies, right? The same way we kind of do in the stock market today. Mm-hmm. Except in, except in this case, you know, the stock market, um, uh, the stocks are kind of decoupled from the revenue generated, right? The, the revenue reports might result in a lot of people buying or selling based on, you know, fear or excitement. But, the you know, it's not directly tied to that. It's, it's not, right? It's Yeah, your stocks don't pay you a share of the revenue. Right. Your stocks just you know, go up right. and die because people buy them. So, yeah. and, and, but, but in this case, you know, if we do have like companies or stocks where the, the value is more directly tied to the revenue. It's going to be really interesting because, you know, to trade uh, pairs of these things because you'll be able to see what real revenue you're generating by hold, by staking the tokens and, you know, um, stock A and stock B and, and you know, and, and you'll be able to see the, the revenue generated by stock B, right? So it gives you, you have some like concrete sense of what's actually you know what the returns are based on the, this, the 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 revenue being generated, right? I think that's going to affect people's decisions about how to trade differently. You know, because they're kind of it's not Big just picture like like this is like super interesting, like you know, almost like super mm-hmm. bullish, but also like if you're a developer listening to this, like saying I have a company, I want to like, use a lot of staking as the house to help me with this. You know, like like mm-hmm. send us like a, a message, but like if you're a common investor who's sitting on this million and a half, a lot of wondering like when can I stake this and start making revenue on that, like. He probably doesn't care about some third-party company also hooking in and like using gelato tokens as stock or something. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think the common man's more like you know, well, let me stake my gelato. But if you're like a developer right. listening to this, like you know, Twitter Spaces right now for whatever reason, like you know, you've taken your your private jet down, you're sitting in like Costa Rica, you're you're, you've got your phone out listening to Twitter Spaces. Yeah, send us a message. <laughs> I think I think there is a reason why people would want to care. You know. You might be the average man, but at some point I was the average man listening in on, you know, random Twitter stuff, learning, growing, like crypto seemed, you know, very foreign to me at some point. And now I feel very comfortable with it. <clears throat> so I think like the things that we're describing, I'm hoping that the average man would, because the more and more the world goes on, people are realizing they're politicians, they're leaders, everyone's scamming everyone. No one really gives a shit about you. And ultimately it's kind of up to you to take some type of stand or do something that's going to help you out. So we do try to keep things in a way where like, hey, we're talking all this nerdy stuff, but this is how it relates back to you. I think this is definitely a way to empower people. Yeah, you know, like if, now, if you're a common investor, then like, you know, when you're holding a million gelato and this takes off and some like third party decides this is a great way, you know, I'm going to use this technology. Then, yeah, I guess your gelato goes up in price to make a bajillion dollars, right? Yeah. And even beyond that, you know, something I was saying, you know, earlier about like Kujira. Staking is the house is like version of one of what we want to do. We're trying to use, we're using Juno to prove this theory out 
Because of our Web3 venture, the goal is to deploy gelato districts or casinos, which is going to be comprised of staking of the house to other chains. So imagine we deploy staking of the house over to Kajira. Now Kajira users are able to uh, stake Kajira to make the house LP. We can make games on Kajira that talk to the Kajira house, and that's how funds are generated. But on every chain that's not Juno, instead of tax being 5%, it's actually 10%. So 5% of it goes back to the stakers and people involved with the house on that side. The other 5% goes back to the NFT holders, the gelato stakers, the owners. So by staking gelato and us creating the tools to allow other people to use the LP and all the underlying technology, when you use it, all that fun. So imagine staking gelato and now you're earning Kujira. Let's say we deploy staking the house to Osmosis and we build some successful games around there. Now G- GLTO is also earning you Osmosis and we continue to keep doing this. In the future, if we have this really big diverse treasury of all these multiple assets, including this, uh, the house's massive amount of GLTO treasury, then we can start offering it to other companies too. Like, hey, the company wants to like invest in or build electric cars, the house can actually, again, these are things I'm talking about, and you've got to really think hard and imagine, maybe four or five years down the line, once you've proven the technology works, we have this massive liquidity, then the house can actually start becoming a true organization where we start going to real world. Maybe start buying assets. Imagine casinos are dying. We buy them out, integrate them on chain, build fun games, but people who hold our NFTs or are part of the community get perks or cool things which is real live events. And that's why it's kind of important to always talk about the dream. Yes, in the moment you want to focus on, hey, how is this making me money? That's great. But people invest because there's a reason to, there's a thing you're building towards. Mm-hmm. And I think we always got to try to do both of talking about the vision and also the now of how this is going to benefit you. Yeah, that kind of segues to like the next stuff here we plan on talking about anyways. You know, Gelato is, does that plan to be a multi-network chain? Maybe we go into the real world of your slot machine in Vegas is tied into the blockchain and has repercussions on you know, Gelato token, great too. But um, yeah, so officially our next plan is make video poker more staking as the house games, you know, show the potential of that and move on to other stuff. But I guess on our end, I guess we recently, we were looking at the Gelato prediction market. We just sent off grant applications, both to Archway and C. We wanted to... um pitch our prediction market idea to them, see if it was you know, something good that we could use to branch into other IBC networks and see if that's something that would be willing to fund. And so I guess if someone wants to give us a bajillion dollars to build that, we'd probably do that next and then go back to video mm-hmm. poker or something like that. It could, it could be a half a bajillion too. I, that's fine. Yeah, I, I, I would for like a single jillion, not even a, a bajillion. Try. I mean, since you've written the application for Archway and C Network and you've gone and we've talked so much about the prediction market. Yes, there's a bunch of other prediction market out there. Can you sort of maybe do a quick TLDR and let the community know what makes this a very special thing and what hopefully this once done will enable going forward? Yeah, I guess we can touch this briefly the last call, but the prediction market has kind of two main parts. Part one works like every prediction market you know. Someone starts a prediction pool for lack of a better term, usually for a fee. He poses a topic. There are two or more outcomes. And then people can buy shares in those outcomes and the prices dynamically change based on what's popular, like yes or no. And if everyone buys yes, no gets really cheap and yes gets expensive, things like that. And when an outcome happens... Wait, is it me or to try? Are you breaking up? Typical market This is an oracle. Like, I don't know, you're betting on the price of Juno this week or something. Figure out something on the oracle. And then the... Yeah, you're you're good now. You're breaking up for a while. Sorry to cut your flow. But yeah, you're good. 
I was saying first part's like typical prediction market. You start a topic, there are outcomes. You buy those shares, those outcomes. When something happens, you consult an oracle. And then the, the, the winning outcome gets a share of the pool, including the loser's money they put into the pool. And so that's like basic prediction market 101. But what we're adding to that is the ability to have other ways of resolving the outcome besides use of an oracle, which lets people broaden the topics they can put on a prediction market. For example, our, our, our biggest go-to is a jury system. We'll let the common man, users, you know, people who have authorization, whoever, participate in resolving the outcome. Like, I will vote to say this thing happened in the real world, and to be out 10, 100,000 jurors, whatever. And we all vote, and that becomes the consensus for what outcome happened and who wins the pool. And the jurors then receive a portion of that pool's proceeds. And that allows resolution of the outcome without relying on an oracle. And then that is also applicable to a wide variety of other things. You want to expand, for example, the jury contract beyond a prediction pool. That go in the real world, like a, you know, a job board or something. Was this thing done? The jury can you know, make sure that's done. They can cast their votes. And then that's how you resolve the outcome for something like a, a crypto oracle can't tell you. And that's kind of the idea in a nutshell is the prediction market is pretty basic, but the outcome resolution is really cool. And that's going to have options built in. Like the jury system is one option. You could choose to use an oracle. You could have administrative resolution. Or a cool one, there could be like a game contract resolution. Like, what's the outcome of this gelato game? If the gelato game resolves this way, the game smart contract sends the solution to the oracle to the, the, the prediction market contract, who then determines the outcome based on that. And that's kind of a, in a nutshell how we're envisioning the, the prediction market working. Right, like modular. So we'll be able to plug in different backends for the part of the system that resolves the outcomes of these events of, of these bets or whatever the case, but these prediction markets um risby has been calling them human validators so it's like a you know um amazon's had a service for a long time i'm uh, pretty sure it's still going it's called mechanical turk where you basically upload a spreadsheet and it converts and and you define a, like a template and it turn puts each each row in the spreadsheet into the template and that could be like enter the nutrition uh info for you know, uh, McDonald's uh, cheeseburger or McDonald's, you know, McNuggets and so on. So in that way, you know, in each each one of those tasks could pay out like one cent or five cents or something very small. But there are a lot of the tasks. So people, especially outside of, um, you know, so-called first world countries oftentimes come to this because it could add up to substantial income. And they will, you know, so. Uh, they'll come along and they'll do these these tasks and you can get a lot of information this way or get a, a lot of like a feedback on something. And so um, this that will be a component of this system, you know, this human validator system that we, we have we've been working on. And it's going to be it's going to be really um, I, I can't wait to actually like roll some stuff out and show some of our basic some of our ideas regarding how to keep the system, you know, uh, honest and incentivized and just basically maintain integrity and reward good at the good actors and penalize the bad ones. Yeah. So, so the big picture though is like, if somebody funds this, you know, like we're jumping on this next, but if not, we'll probably do video poker next. Yeah. And I can't, I, I like the, I like the idea so much. It's so like, it's a great like creative domain for me to play around with different ideas that, you know, I'm, I'll probably, you know, sneak in some work here and there. Uh, over the course of time, so maybe spontaneously, the the contract will be finished. You know, at some Can point. Can I ask a question? No, oh, yeah, Baz, dude, like you never have to raise your hand. Just uh, jump well, in and talk I mean, over us. It's kind of hard though. Like I'm trying to like mm -hmm. not step on no toes, you know. But step I step um, on our got, toes. 
Katarina had a quick question. Um, it was attached. It says, um, would a poker be fully on chain or just the results being synced on chain afterwards with some proofs? Does that question make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think um, the first version of poker we have is just single player poker, you know, um, AKA video poker. And so that's not quite poker. It's kind of like a, a different game of chance when it comes to actually implement, but when, and so, you know, it's not, we won't have to be secretive in that, in that way. We just need the randomness, but when it comes to actually, you know, poker per se, um, I think we'll, you know, we'll end up using secret or some other um, system to, you know, conceal the, to, to, you know, to represent people's hands, but I, I haven't put too much like uh, thought into that yet. Um, maybe, but Risby, I'm sure you thought a little bit about it. Yeah, right? definitely. But so f definitely for the first version of video poker, just want to talk more about the priority part first. You know, try was asking if someone you know gave us grant money, would we do prediction marking now? I think it's still important to get video poker out because we need to sell people an idea that hey, video or you know, staking of the house isn't mortal coin bat. It's a part of it. This is what it looks like when you had a second part. You know, there's a lot of people who are familiar with video poker. It's uh, something that someone can easily get into. So it's important to sort of show that. And once that's done, then it's either going to be prediction market, depending on, you know, if that goes on archway or C, or it's going to be deploying something to Stargate. We really want to build, you know, part of the beast tech was just showing ways for NFTs to evolve, change, so we have an idea for like a Super Smash Brothers type game involving select NFT projects. So I think that definitely would be great to do. And once that's done, play prediction market would be the next big thing for us. And in terms of... And honestly, mm -hmm. like you know, if someone wants to fund us, like Daniel said, half a bajillion dollars prediction market, that half a bajillion buys some generally useful things too, besides the prediction market, like security audits, legal stuff, things that would take a lot off our plate and give us money to go ahead and develop things like our beast game and our video poker and things like that. So. You know me, I say money first because I want to get the legal and the security stuff done. Exactly. And just to answer the question about the poker, uh, thanks so much, B-Band, for asking it. Uh, video poker will be 100% on-chain, and the actual poker app that we're going to develop, there, our goal is to actually deploy a mobile app first for uh, the normal poker game, which we plan to build on Secret Network. And the reason why we pick Secret Network is we think they have the technology to allow us to do this fully on-chain, they also have access to their own source of randomness, which I think will be awesome. The unfortunate part is Secret Network is still kind of a little clunky. You know, it's a little slow. And we want this to be a really great experience when we get, you know, V1 out. So we do want to, we plan to work with the Secret Network team, see if we could make the network a little bit, you know, faster if possible. But I definitely feel like that's the right place to build a poker app for us. So ta ta tangent on Secret, have you guys used ShadeSwap yet? No, I haven't. I'm just mostly stacking Secret the same way I stack Monero. I just feel like once we adopt Web 3.0, either Web 3.5 or Web 4.0 is going to be focused around privacy, you know? So privacy coins, I don't really interact with dApps. If they have great technology, I'll just, you know, stack up on them. That's it. All my so why did you ask that? What, what do you think of the sh of Shade? Like you, you tried using the swap, the Shade swap? Yeah, like um, all of my spare atom, Osmo, and Injective is like in LPs over there because Shade Swap, unlike Osmosis, doesn't have any unlock period. So I could just like stick my atom in the atom stride atom pool, you know, for like 25% and not have to wait 14 days to get it back. So, I mean, I might as well stick it there rather than like staking it with Cosmos or sticking in Osmosis for actually a lower APR and a large lockup period. That's what I'm doing most of my spare money. 
I guess you got to be a little careful though, because um, the secret fees are kind of high. Every time you want to get like a viewing key to see your stuff, that's like two cents worth of secret. And also, if you're not paying attention, your slippage when you withdraw a single token, deposit elsewhere. If you jump around between pools, that kind of eats your lunch with slippage too. But if you're just going to stick your money in one pool and leave it there, like a, a dex with no lockup period is pretty awesome. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, Risby, I saw you had like a list of a couple of things that you might uh, about the NFT collection. Was there any more that you wanted to share? Yeah, I guess I'll start from the very top. So Series 3 is going to be coming out potentially July 9th. You know, we're trying to work with the Stargaze team, get on it. We think it should be on a launch pad. This is a very beautiful collection. It looks awesome. Did you see the recent photo? Like, Maria is doing some, like, really dark bondage stuff, which I think, you know, you've never really seen in her collection. So like, this is going to be a piece of work. So we're going to get it on the launch pad. And the public mint is going to be uh, 50k stars, but if you're a VIP, which means holding either Series 1 or Series 2, there will be a you know, greater discounted uh, price. And you have to remind people, you know, just because you, you have whitelist, that's not, that does not mean it's guaranteed to have an NFT. It's first come, first serve. And we do want to do something interesting where we want to use Noise Network to help us decide when we should drop uh, Series 3. So we're going to tell people the date, which is hopefully... July 9th, which I believe is a Sunday. Uh, and then, yeah, this, you know, this thing will decide when it goes out within a 24-hour period. And once it's out, you know, whitelist will be open for 24 hours. And then after that, it goes to the public for 50K stars. And just to remind people, there are 10 one-piece NFTs within this collection of 69. Along those lines, 50K stars is a metric crap ton of okay. So just by owning it, I'm sorry, we're losing you again. I'll hold it right up to my mouth. You hear me now? Yeah, you're good. Were you hiding in the basement or something from your wife? No, I'm just in my office with <laughs> door closed. I'm like right next to the modem. I don't know why the hell it's like, you know, cutting out on me. <laughs> you might be too close to her out to give yourself a buffer. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll scoot away a little bit. But yeah, I was saying, you know, 50K stars seems like a metric crap ton of money. But I mean, the supply is only 69. So just by owning one, you get one sixty-ninth of 1% of all of Delano's revenue. And there's like a 10 out of 69 chance of getting a one piece one, right? Exactly. So, I mean, I mean imagine, yeah, if you, imagine if you have one of these uh, 69 pieces and uh, now you receive, you know, now we have like, you know, uh, over 800,000, um, or 80, yeah, 800,000 GLTO ready to go out to NFT holders. You know, I mean, 1% of a million is a substantial amount, you know, and so. It's going to be just cool, you know, as we have more house games and more ta- like more revenue coming from that. Um, it's just going to it's just going to grow more. So um, here's the reason why we also started sending out the rewards, even when they were small, because from the very first game, we have had this in place where everything we said, the protocol, how fees would be generated was built into all our smart contract. Lottery games had it. The raffle game had it. Sports squares had it. Mortal Kombat has it. Basically everything we build going forward, this is going to be built into it. We built a prediction market on archway. Guess what? You're still getting a fucking cut of what we're doing there. We built, we buy a real ice cream shop outside in the real world somewhere. Guess what? You're also getting a percentage of revenue from there. So Daniel's yeah. right. As this thing scales out and Series one, two, and three are the only collection that will ever have these, you know, uh, you know, basically utility. We don't want to dilute the solution. We want to reward people who've been here 
from the very beginning. So in the future, yes, we'll have a shit ton of other NFT collections. They'll have various, you know, use being used in games, used in beef, but the type of VIP experience, rewards, and actual part of the revenue you get from everything we literally do, nothing will happen. And Series 3 is the last in the trilogy. And big picture, this technology is in demand. Like every time I say like a hackathon for someone, like NFTs that produce rewards and the tooling to distribute those rewards, especially multi-token rewards to people, like that's like in demand. You kind of broke up a little bit there. I'll be scooping I'll take another Scott you know, soup back from the router. I was saying that like um, NFTs that like you know distribute rewards and tooling mm-hmm. to do that. That's like in demand. Like we see that like as a topic mm-hmm. on various hackathons. That's things people want built, and we've already made that tooling. Yeah, we've had it from day one, Whoa. and now we're just scaling it more and more. So I mean, beyond oh, series three, hey, can I say something real quick? I just yeah, um, I just want to add a quick a little brevity. I'm gonna have to send Mr. B bands out on the corner tricking so I can be able to afford this <laughs> NFT. Um, it's a little bit too rich for my blood, but that's okay. You know, maybe I'll, I'll I'll sell half of my star's wallet or something. Um, but yeah, baby, you um, are you up for the task? Okay, he's said he'll shave his legs. So okay, back to the um real conversation. Thank you. Dude, I I love it. I feel like cooking is definitely a viable option. I can't wait to at some point. You know, Daniel always jokes about this. He's like, hey, we want to have like a Craigslist on Web three. You know, and hope is this is something we can deploy in Juno. So. Hopefully people will be to find web hookers one day. It'll be nice. Gelato pimps. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> I didn't think about that, that implication. Um, yeah, so I guess some other developments then. So we um yeah, we have a series three oh. coming out. We have another also you hear me all right. I switched my phone to Wi-Fi. Do I sound better yeah. now? No, no, you sound good. But before I forget, so series three we talked about. I did want to talk about the last two NFT series that are that are going to be coming out very soon. The first one is going to be we're releasing a series of coins for Mortal Coinback. So when you have access to these coins, each of these coins are going to give you a special boost in some way. And just because it's funny and, you know, it could be fun, there's actually four jokers part of it. So basically, the NFT collection is a deck of cards. Or sorry, not deck of cards, but the coins. There's going to be some coins, you know, I mixed up the video poker stuff, but we'll get to it. But some coins are going to have negative values. They're going to be interesting, rare. And other coins are going to have boost. So this is something you'll actually be to apply to Mortal Coinbat. So imagine you're doing like a Trump versus Hillary and you have a coin in your wallet that gives you, you know, 3% extra boost. Now you can replace Trump uh, with your coin and now you have that boost. So we think it'll be a fun way just to give people ideas that in the future, as we build the beast game out, we're going to push really hard on this whole concept of, you know, NFTs are an in-game piece and they can be powered up, boosted in other various ways. And along that same side, around very similar times, we're also going to release a deck of NFT cards. And this deck will be used in video poker. So if you have access to this deck, you'll get custom skins, custom boosts, and things of that nature. And, you know, as we were developing this thing, we were kind of talking about, like, back in the day, you know, when he had Pokemon Red versus Blue, Yellow versus Green or whatever, we wanted to do something similar. So we kept, you know, the poker deck is about, like, 52 cards or so. And we've actually created a secondary deck, which is basically a blue deck versus a red deck. Some of the rare ones are different. So that's like a, that's definitely will be fun. And beyond video poker, we're also going to be having a very big poker tournament. We're probably talking, you know, five to 10 grand in rewards. 
and holding these poker NFTs are going to give you access to these games, which is going to span over like a month. So I think a lot of fun things are happening and I'm excited for us to be integrating NFTs more into our games. Don't say that, man. I'm going to lose all my money in poker. <laughs> I mean, as long as you have fun along the way, you know, it should be good. So I just got a message from uh, CTB and he was, he would like Uno to be put on the roadmap. And I, I was like, what do you mean? Like the Uno game? And he says, yes, he would like to bet on it. Like, like where you match blue and number nine and stuff like that. And the draw four wild. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I asked him like, are you playing versus the house or something? I don't know. Have, have you guys played? I could, I, I could Uno? Play Uno in the past. And it's funny that he brings that up. Cause I feel like I'm always, every, I'm always, I'm like, how can we bring monopoly and hook it up to staking of the house? I've thought about Uno as well too. And one of the ideas I had is every round, maybe there's a way to challenge someone. You can use GLTO to bet or something like that. I like that oh, idea. He said and, it's easier than poker. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on. You can have the, the, the hands up and on the screen. Just gotta go I mean, he it. can definitely come up here and talk if he wants. We always love hearing from him. But I'm definitely happy he said poker because, you know, from the very beginning, it's kind of easy to get lost in the fact that we're starting out with games that are games of chances. That's not really who we are. We are a general software development company in Web3. We're going to build tools. We're going to build security stuff. At some point, we might build DEXs. We're going to build games. We started with games because, you know, Nintendo 1.0, 2.0, these things expo exploded because of video gaming, pornography, or drugs. You know, out of those three things, gaming seemed to be the first good one to start with before we go into the other two. So... <laughs> Yeah, you know, even the side effect of building all these games, like some of the tools that Daniel has built, the fact that he's built a very robust uh, ACL tool, he's basically okay. built Dow Dow on steroids with staking as the house, right? We also built a contract that knows the state of other contracts. So this way you can do sorting on web apps without having an actual database. These are all general purpose software that are coming out from our pursuit of this game that we're giving away. Same thing with the Beast Tech. We're going to be building technology that actually transforms your uh, NFTs. And not only that, but they have access to game servers within another contract that can give them a lot of tools like profiles or the ability to use items and things like that. So, you know, it sort of all goes side by side. So if any like new entering the field, Juno developers are paying attention. We have a lot of great general purpose stuff right now. If you want to dive in, get like an mm -hmm. ACL or a contract arrangement contract, things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, even so, though it's a like, spam list, you know, we created that because we're like, hey, if we have something like rate limit in place, what do you do if someone gets rate limited too often? Oh, we got it. Let's throw it in a spam list. You know, majority of people might say, hey, I'm going to keep this shit for myself. We're like, wait a second. This thing would actually be better for us. We're not open sourcing mm -hmm. it because we're like, hey, we're white knights. We're doing it because of selfish reasons. You know, if other people are going to spend the time building amazing tools to detect bad actors, we should take advantage of that. One of the things we glossed over when Daniel was talking about the improvements to staking of the house is he added a functionality to detect what is a bot or isn't a bot. In traditional Web2, you have companies like Perimeter X, Cloudflare, and whatnot. Their sole job is to make sure bots aren't accessing your site. We don't have something similar in Web3, and that's the reason why I think last week or the week before, there was an NFT collection on Stargaze with a bunch of birds, kiwis, or something. And like within four seconds or something, they were all gone because a bunch of bots came and swarmed it up. If they had access to this technology, which can determine if these are bots or not, that probably wouldn't have happened. And this wouldn't have been an issue. We're building it. We're going to open source it. 
hopefully if Stargaze will use it, they'll add on to it, and that may just make our shit even better too. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, so Stargaze so doesn't have a spam list already, or they have like a manual one? Because I remember I was listening on the show, and I might, I might have missed that. Sorry, I what's think- that? Yeah. Um, that star, I'm sorry. Um, so star, I was listening on to a Stargate space and they were talking about like a spam list that they were going to be like adding people to. Did anybody else hear that? Chris, were you on that in that meeting for stars? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a lot of idea and they are like, Hey, we'll use this as well too. But you know, if they're going to build a spam list on star stargate and you know, and hopefully it'll be open mm-hmm. to others, then that's something we can probably pull information from as well, too. Translate stars mm-hmm. to Juno address and block those users as well. Let me, let me yeah. just interject here that, you know, there's a so big like difference between... The Web3 does mm-hmm. not have the technology to determine is this a bot or a legitimate user, and Daniel's just coded that. Why are we not rich? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's more simplistic. Like, the logic that I could put into place is, you know, just looking at kind of obvious factors. Um, you know, there's a difference in the way that the addresses are formatted. Uh, between like a normal, you know, wallet account and a smart contract that, you know, there there's certain like differences that have been intentionally, you know, created for the sake of being able to kind of, you know, easily differentiate between what is a contract and what is a, a user. Well, I think that's a point that I'm making, Daniel. The mm-hmm. fact that Web3 is so barren, which you're saying I 100% agree, detecting a bot on simple basis is relatively easy and that's why you can easily do it in Web2. But the fact mm-hmm. that a, you know, a project like Stargaze Really well known, big. They didn't have this in place. A lot of pla- a lot of places. I don't well, know if also doesn't have this in place. So yes, it's simple to do. Well, but it's big to be like, hey, we have it. You know, it's I I I haven't heard that um, their space, but I imagine that what they're talking about is a little bit more simple than what we have in mind, and it's a bit more narrow. It's going to be an actual just so uh, a spam list. You know, not, what's yeah. up with Gujira? Um. But wait, 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 before we go to Kujira, let me just let me just say something about this whole thing, um, which is that, you know, Web3, one of the, the main selling points of it is uh, modularity, the ability and, and composability, the ability for smart contracts to use other smart contracts as building blocks to create, you know, ever larger uh, applications and, you know, intricate structures. And so, you know, what I don't know what Star, the Stargaze is doing in terms of this um, the spam list, but the way that we're doing everything here is aimed at, you know, having uh, a solution that can be, um, you know, that is modular. It, it can be deployed as a smart contract anywhere accessed and utilized by any other smart contract. And at the same time, you know, we, like Risby mentioned, we have all these other kind of internal um, mechan- these smart contracts that we've built out the, that he described um, that will allow us to create, um, I guess, you can think of them kind of like sub DAOs where we'll be able to put um, the administ- administrators from different projects across Juno and potentially co- across Cosmos um, as uh, we will be able to put these members as administrators onto the spam list, for example, so that we can have collective ownership, collective management of it. So it's not just, you know, so that the entire network you know, uh, grows as an effect of these things. It's like we're... We want we want Juno um, and basically all the block you know Cosmos blockchains to to grow and the way to do that is to be, be putting things out there that allow the growth to accelerate not just linearly but you know exponentially and that and the way that you do that is by putting out these little modular pieces of functionality that 
keep moving the the starting point up like it I think I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think the reason I was mentioning yeah. it and I probably should have been like more clear. The reason I was mm -hmm. mentioning it is because maybe, you know, that's something that they're trying to get done and you guys are working on it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you're creating the spam, maybe they have a manual one or something because they were saying mm -hmm. something about a spam list that they were adding to people. So yeah. I just w wanted to say that to like maybe you guys can, you know, work together that's or absolutely. like that, be that, able to. That's, that's why I was. You know? That was the reason why I kind of like was like, well, I thought he, I was hearing about a spam list or something. No, no I'm glad that he said that. And, you know, I'm sure Stargaze is going to build in their own different ways of detecting certain things. And if they publish this and, and you know, and it will be accessible to everyone because it's on chain, that's something we can also consume. And the hope is as we build a reliable system, they can mm -hmm. consume from us as well, too. So I definitely think this is great. I'm glad more people are talking like this because this is exactly what we need. As people build stuff, we should all just kind of be leveraging it this way. Why reinvent the wheel over and over? This is the reason why if you go to GitHub and you search for, hey, deploy this app or do this, it already exists. If you want to build your own Uber today, you can spin it up in seconds. Now the question is, how can you build a business plan that's better than Uber's using this technology? If you can do it, you're going to make money. If you can't, no, fuck it, you're done, you know? But in Web3, just so much shit doesn't exist, and there's so much opportunity for collaboration. You know, this is the power of Cosmos. You know, if you look at any other chain, people are building stuff just for themselves and what they need. In Cosmos, we're building stuff that anyone can take advantage of. The fact that you can build something for purely for randomness, like Noise Network, and literally any chain that supports IBC can take advantage of it, that's powerful. The same way any chain that does IBC can take advantage of our spam list, our ACL, our staking as a house, and everything else that we build. You know, this is what Web3 is all about, and that's the reason why I think it's all inevitable that we're heading in this direction. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait till we actually start going out there and getting other, you know, um, excited developers, you know, into Cosmos and kind of present present it to them more from a kind of, you know, engineering, computer science, uh, you know, uh, programming perspective versus, you know, crypto perspective. Um, and just to show them, you know, to, to help developers out there understand, um, just the similarities and differences and, and, and which are sometimes profound between traditional web, you know, backend web development and, and uh, web three. And we can, we can provide them with a lot of this tooling to start, not only kind of basic project scaffolds where they can create a basic um, UI and a little app, you know, like demo application, but we can provide them with um, these kinds of extra, these other contracts that provide uh, mechanisms for uh, authentication and authorization uh, for front end pagination for creating listings of other contracts and allowing them to be, you know, administered, um, like hide this or hide that, you know, like what businesses usually do is they have some kind of thing on their on the back end that they use to kind of circumvent the normal flow of what a user can do you know like if there's a user who needs to be disabled they can go in there they can click a little checkbox that says this this user is now like suspended you know that kind of tooling that basic tooling doesn't exist for for web3 apps but it does for web2 apps like do you get out of the box something that lets you administer the database you know for example you don't have that in web3 so we can provide not only the smart contracts but we can provide like um front ends for these smart contracts that allow them to go in and just use a, a nice, you know, a friend, a user friendly uh, interface to um, to administer their applications that then we're really like providing them the whole 
we're providing them a, like a, what's, what would be called a full stack web framework, but for Cosmos rather than for web, you know, normal uh, web apps. And I don't, I, I don't think, you know, that's been done before, you know, not to a large extent. Um, sorry, if I'm just going off on I feel tangent. like this like perfectly ties into yeah. like the goal of Gelato is for mm -hmm. us to first show people the possibility of what this tech can do when you combine web two and web three mm -hmm. and the common sense, you know, ideas. And then after that, we want to build a steam of web three where you can go and develop a game, get it on chain, whether it's Juno or we start our own chain or somewhere else. And if people vote you in your own mainnet, now you have a platform of all these users that will play the games, hopefully generating revenue. You know, the side effect, we're building all these other cool things out. So, you know, it's, it's you know, it, as Daniel talks about this, it might sound like we're just being selfless in it. it just these things don't exist. And we believe that if we, if we can bring more traditional Web2 developers in, we can make this greater. You know, we're not going to have the answers. We're not going to have all the creativity. But if we give the tools, you're going to be able to do it. And because they've done it with our tool, we've monetized it. There's revenue going back to NFT holders, back to the protocol, you know, it just all works. So the easier we make Web3 Web better, you know, or to access, the better it's going to be for us. I'm kind of glad that we can actually build stuff and just give it away. And I think, I think, I think it's awesome because um, I'm literally looking at the developerreport.com and it's saying like two years ago, Cosmos, the, the amount of developers that are on the Cosmos are, is up 93%. There are a total of 530 developers, full-time developers working on the Cosmos ecosystem. And it's number three. Um, it's Ethereum, Polkadot, and then Cosmos. So I think that's really, you know, just something to like also take note. Because even mm -hmm. though in a year we've only gone up another 10%, other chains are down. Ethereum is down the three percent. Polkadot is down twelve percent. So it just shows that the developers are coming. And I think there's a big reason for that. Cosmos was built to be developer friendly from the very beginning. The people who created it and the people who sort of steward it right now. The problem is, you know, Cosmos is built by a bunch of developers. They have great tech but horrible business logic. You know, or horrible business practices. And that's where a lot of L1 chains and projects go down the shitter. You can't infinitely print money, right? And not focus on user experience or making it easier for them or doing some type of value capture. So the thing that we're trying to really bring here is like, yes, we have the power of Web3. We're also taking a lot of things that work out in Web2. You know, web it's like, why does Amazon, Microsoft, you know, why did they work? Why can't we apply those same exact logics, but just use the power of Web3? Way too many people try to do this purest bullshit. Like, hey, I got to do a strictly Web3, you know? I need to like get Oracle data and but be able, because they don't support it on band, I can't use it in my smart contract. Build a fucking reputation. You can buy data source from Web two and publish it yourself to Web three. If people trust you, which is literally the only real currency in Web three, then there's no reason why you can't have your own endpoint that feeds into your smart contract. If people trust you and you're good authority and you work to strengthen it, give transparency, then other smart contracts can start using using it. Think about the human Oracle protocol that we're building. You know, something like, you know, the noise airdrop is happening. No one knows when it's happening. Imagine we can make a bet right now that someone says, hey, it's happening in a week, two weeks, three weeks. The moment it happens, we have a swarm of truth tellers. The same way when a chain launches, a bunch of random internet people come together because they can make money. Now we're doing the same thing with truth. They can come and confirm that, hey, noise airdrop is happening July 11th. So if people vote around that time, now they win. That's a very powerful thing you can do, but too many people just put themselves in this box and 
you know, we got we got to break free from it. So I hope we can show people. I know other projects are trying to do the similar, but once we get out of that box, I think that's where we can start doing some really creative stuff. Did you let Tridor back in? He was trying to get back in. Yeah. Uh, I I can't. It says he's already in here. He might just be having issues. Mm -hmm. Oh, and apparently, apparently someone also asked in our Twitter thread if we can go over to uh, One Piece Utility real quick. So in each of our three series, there's 10 One Piece. One Piece is a very popular anime. We kind of wanted to build gelato like One Piece. The whole anime is about, you know, there's this grand treasure that everyone's fighting for. And we kind of wanted to feel that way, you know? Go out, out on this grand adventure, win stuff, have a great time. So by holding a, a One Piece NFT, you get owner status within gelato. And what that means is if you have a normal series one, two, and three, you're only earning revenue from the gaming side of things. If you have a gelato owner, you also get an additional 1% from the gaming revenue, but you also get 1% from all revenue streams. So this includes our current merchandise store, you know, the NFTs that we develop, our validator commission. So anything that we do to generate money goes right back into the owners. Eventually in the future, the owners will also have a really big say in what, you know, in how we do things and certain decisions. And there are two ways to get owners. So either you can have a one piece from any of the series, one, two, and three, or own 5% of either supply. So you need to own either 5% of series one, series two, or series three. I believe for series two, 420, 5% of that supply, if you own, I believe 24, you also have owner uh, status. So 1% for us is a starting point. And that's the same thing goes for our NFT holders. We think 1% is a good number, our hope in the future by making Gelato a decentralized DAO, uh, organization that people can actually vote on that. Maybe we increase that 1% to 5%. So this way the holders can get a lot more. But that's literally, that's the power of the Gelato, you know, of One Piece. And Series that's 3 funny. only has 69 and 10 of them will be One Piece. Just to comment on something you said there um, about the voting on the you know, uh, one of the things that we're thinking about doing is how, like, think about how we can do it is, you know, how do we direct some of our revenue back to the Juno network? You know, how do we, how do we prove that a chain trains value and its token value uh, itself can be um, a reflection of real revenue that's being generated by its apps? So, you know, potentially we could vote to add another percent to the tax that goes to the community funds or the, the growth treasury the growth fund you know um i just wanted to put that out there as a possibility because you know I, I do think that in general uh the mindset should be pushed a little bit should be changed a little bit um to the individual mindset you know we should be thinking a little bit more about how do we grow the network how do we make the network more profitable rather than you know how do i maximize my staking you know yield um right it's like in order for your yield to mean anything, in order for your inflationary tokens to meet, to have any value, the network itself has to have some value and some real value, you know? So we wanna figure out, you know, how can we do that? How can we create some examples uh, and for how the apps that are running on a chain can kind of beneficently, you know, um, flow back into the chain and the larger substrate. Uh, that yeah, I, know, I feel like Pride would be very proud of you because this is literally yeah. a perfect segue as you talk about how we can turn Juno into an economic engine 
that actually captures values and grow. You know, B-Benz, you've been part of all the chats. And for people who don't know, we're actually, we're actually working directly with the core Juno team. We also have a few other projects that are very well known within Juno that are working with us. We acknowledge, including Core One, that there is an issue. You know, Core One has done a really great job getting us to where we are, but unfortunately, technology can only take you so far. You know, Core One is made out of a lot of great, you know, coders and whatnot. But tech, you know, is anyone can come and just take it. And an example of this is Archway. They're taking, you know, Juno Tech plus the things that they've built, adding VC funding on top of it, and they have this really strong chain that can now, you know, support developers you know, bring other projects in and really grow their ecosystem. Juno needs something similar. And it's really amazing to see that the core one team and all these projects come together to figure out what we can actually do to like take Juno to the next level. Because Juno's right there. People like Reese have been keeping the chain in tip top shape. So everything we need to build a proper economic engine is there for us. I do think there's things we'll need to do, like revisit tokenomics, revisit the validator set, revisit the business model. You know, if Juno invests in a project, then that project will be sending a percentage of revenue back into the community pool, generating revenue. So along those same lines, B-Band been, has been there. I really wanted her to sort of be there, sort of, you know, she has a big understanding of what's happening within the community. So I do want to hand it off to her. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what's going on, where we're headed. So I, I'm trying to, to I, yeah, I'm trying to be careful of what to say because I have a lot of information. Um, I'm trying to keep it as light and um, as non. Um, sh I, I don't know what to share, to be honest, because there is a lot going on. Essentially, what you shared, I think, was more than enough. Um, Risby, what do you I, I just kind of feel like there's one more meeting about to happen. And after that meeting, I think it would be better for us to share more what do you what do you i 100% agree you know but i didn't want to ask you a specific question you know okay. all right because I, I, I got yeah 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 before we even went into it and started doing all this stuff you know i've talked to crypto tank i've talked to other people general community sentiment is that hey nothing is going to change we've tried this before they don't care they're going to do what they want and at least for me i don't feel that way i feel like they legitimately like we talked with jake you know and he was like hey as a founder, these are things I wish I did more of. These are things I feel like did well. You know, it humanized them a lot for me because this shit isn't fucking easy. Everyone is trying to do what you're trying to do because this is the next trillion dollar industry. So to me, you know, when people say, hey, change is impossible, I feel like, yes, change is possible. The core team acknowledges that. They're like, hey, we need to bring in more diverse expertise. We need to evolve. So B-Bands, do you feel like, the, like they're actually open to this or do you feel like it's all BS? Okay, so I'm going to be honest, I don't think that it is BS. I do think that um, there's a lot of leaders in this group. And leaders do what they do naturally is lead, you know. And so I think that for the group, um, this can be possible as long as everyone kind of agrees to a role. And I know that sounds kind of like counterintuitive, but um, when listening to everyone's passions and the different strengths they had, um, if everyone is trying to be the leader, you know, who's who's going to lead? You know, you need somebody to be like, OK, this is what's going on. We got, you know, um, you're doing you're doing this and you're focusing on this. 
And but everyone has to be able to agree and say, this is the person that we want to, you know, to lead. And I don't think that the leader supposedly has to be somebody that knows everything and has all the answers. I just think that it should be someone that everyone in the group agrees upon. And I think that if that can happen, that first important thing can happen. I believe that anything is possible because then that's everyone being cohesive and working together in, in one goal instead of, you know, everyone chiming in on everything. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I- no, that, that, that totally makes sense. It's, you know, blockchain. I'm going to let you go, Daniel, like in, in a minute, just, just last thought out. Blockchain isn't this magical thing where you can just go something on governance and someone just go, goes and do it. You know, you need a team behind you. You need someone to drive the vision. This is the reason why I keep coming back to successful entities mm-hmm. like Apple, Microsoft, you know, Alphabet and just other companies, you know, just so on and so on. You know, Airbnb, they work because they're applying traditional practices that just, you know, just has worked for centuries. You know, you need a team in place that says, hey, here's the vision. You know, we either need a, we need a marketing leader. We need a legal leader. We need a leader who's focused on incubation and growth, right? You need some central authority you can talk to. The fact that the, the community voter know for the, uh, the wind crop is like, hey, we don't want to fund the stacks, but they're able to go around and get funding from the existing core one. That was a big issue. And once that happened, there was no one you can talk to. If something happens in Gelato, if we get hacked or if we increase the tax or something, you can come talk to Daniel and I be like, hey, why the fuck do you guys do this? This is the reason why we hold a weekly space, you know, and we're also very active in our own community. But we want you to come and ask us these questions. The hope is if we're doing something wrong, by you asking these questions, you're strengthening our thing. The same way when someone tries to attack mm-hmm. the housing LP, you're actually making it stronger and harder to do it for the next person. So I do think it's possible to get together. But as you mentioned, we need to like merge and transform Juno core team into a more traditional team where they are setting the vision. You know, we should cycle people in and out. And it's whatever the chain needs at the moment, you know, and for future growth as well. It's kind of horrible that Juno doesn't have a dedicated community person running everything. You know, if chains are going to build on Juno, then the entire arm of Juno, their, you know, developers, their community person, they should be marketing the hell out of the projects. You know, yeah, why it's, it's they- not, it's not like I, like remember me and you were chat, chatting and I was like, it's not, if you build it, you know, they will come. It, you, who's going to tell them that you built it? There's so much going on. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. And we're trying to change that mentality. The Web3 shitty mentality is you come in, you prove yourself. And if you do it, maybe we'll give you something. And even that we'll discuss about that shit doesn't fucking work. If an organization needs someone to market or make memes or be the political arm, like go and do governance on our behalf, you go take a look at their background. You say, hey, this is what I need. These are my candidates. This is their background. And you'd be like, hey, this is how much it's worth. This is how much I'm going to give you. You give them an incentive to show up every day do the job well, and you have metrics. And like a traditional role, if they don't do what they're supposed to, you can cut off their vest, you can get rid of them and find someone else. So this whole idea of that, hey, we build it, people will come and volunteer, and somehow we're going to stand out in a sea of L1, it's not going to happen. And I do hope that, you know, we're able to transform Juno into an engine that generates revenue, where a core team is thinking about, hey, how do we take you know, everyone who is invested in this and make sure they're also getting a cut of everything that we're doing? It's possible, and we're going to work to make it happen. So I'm glad that all the conversations are happening. Daniel, I'll give it to you. Sorry for rambling. No, I, I think it's just good that, you know, I think Gelato's done a pretty good job at continuing to involve the community uh, to the extent that it wants to participate. 
and making even small decisions regarding the you know, changes to the user interface or how some game should work or what we should do or, you know, just discussing what we're doing because, you know, we could pretend like we have all the answers and we just go hide and develop everything in stealth mode and then present it to the world with the assumption that it's perfect, you know, but, you know, I think that if we can apply some of our practices that we have here um, to Juno more generally, that'd be a great thing because the participation would, would increase and, you know, the, the, you know, people would have some story to follow, you know, it's like, what is the story with Juno? It's, it's mainly just silence and punctuated by uh, moments of crisis and uh, un unpleasant events. You know, it's like, we need to just involve, we need to stop pretending that we let we, or we being like some collective leadership have all the answers and, you know, we're only going to just like release it like waterfall, you know, uh, model, just release it down to everyone else. You know, I want to, I want to see more um, active community involvement. I want to see the Juno discord, you know, really go and I want to be, I want to have to mute Juno, you know, because of all the activity in it, you know, we, it, I want to see developers going crazy there, like constantly talking, constantly building, you know, college students, you know, we need to get into colleges. We need to get all of those people out there who just not want and need to build stuff. And, you know, it's, and they're excited about it. Like, we need them in Juno. Uh, we need them in Cosmos. You know, so um, I don't know what point I'm trying to make other than I think that we can, you know, if we can kind of translate some of the, what we've done with Gelato, the, the, the ethos of it, into Juno, that would just be a net uh, positive thing. Um, and I think that's all I really want is, I, you know, I have way too many life passions. At some point, I want to buy, like, Utah or something, turn into, like, an animal conservatory, help animals and do other stuff. Like, I don't want blockchain to be my life. I just acknowledge that, hey, there's a big gap right there. Even when we tried talking to Core One, getting your attention, it took Rama doing magic behind the scenes to make all this happen. That's horrible. We you just absolutely can't have this, you know? I feel like we have yeah. no real accountability. And I'm just hoping that we're setting this vision. We're also saying, hey, we don't have all the answers. We're willing to work with the best, also bring in the best. We're willing to make this reality, you know, alive, which is, hey, you know, needs to become an engine that captures value and also supports the ecosystem and, you know, all that, all the great stuff. So I hope, and, you know, I feel like you're open mm -hmm. to it and we'll I see think how they are go. open to it. It's it just, they, you know, the whole leadership thing. And if you look at it, there is a nine people that are like involved in this. There are nine, like, super intelligent huge brain people so i i just hope that they can find we can you know find a way to trust each other like you know i'm like uh i'll do things i'll i'll write code endlessly i'll make all sorts of kinds of you know mvps and a little project to do this or do that but just because it might you know the tech is there. It doesn't mean that anyone, like you said, like who's going to see it. Like you need the ability to communicate. You need the ability to get it out there um, and to build a user base to, you know, get in touch with the, the people who are going to be using the thing. Like, and, and the way that you do that is, you know, for me being one of these, these guys who just like sits in the room writing code all day, but has no sense of how to get something out there in the world. You know, that's where someone like Risby comes in and they can disseminate it. And, you know, and in order for that to happen, you know, you have to trust each other. And, um, you know, I have to trust Risby. I have to defer to his judgment on, on things because, 
he's you know managing he's his his mind is going to you know those considerations how do we get the world to 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 notice and uh, you know while i'm just like t tinkering with the code endlessly so like i hope that the whole idea of like people don't get caught up on this idea uh, of who's going to be the leader and they can just instead you know give people give each other benefit of the doubt and entrust some you know responsibilities to each other to so that we can I, all yeah i i i feel like that would be awesome i mean that is like mm -hmm. essentially the end goal but i feel just in the in in listening to conversation that's what you know i gather and there's going to be other conversations that are going to happen and maybe as people start talking more it'll evolve into more of that but it just kind of that that's just my you know opinion mm -hmm. you know We've been yammering on for a while, so I just wanted to at least just open it up. It's always open in the future. Anyone wants to come up, give their thoughts, or say their piece, it's open to you. I'll say it now while we talk. If anyone wants to come up, shoot the shit, ask any questions, feel free. We love hearing from the community. We always want to be transparent. And most importantly, we always want to be accessible to you guys. You know, you guys are entrusting us to do something. The fact that you're trusting Daniel and I to build Staking of the House, these games, these crazy ideas of integrating Web3 into the real world businesses, you guys are trusting us to do all this. And the least we could do is continue to give you updates, transparency. And if we fuck up, we'll also tell you. But I do promise you one thing, we'll never make the same mistake twice. Every fuck up, we'll tell you about it and we'll learn from it and we'll grow from it. So if anyone wants to come up, feel free. If not, B-Bands, Daniel, I'm sorry we lost try. Even Chris, if there's any additional things you guys want to say, let's talk about it and probably wrap it up in 10 minutes because my pregnant wife really wants Korean barbecue. Yes, it's, uh, I want Korean barbecue too, but I, I got to go too in about 10 minutes. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, anyone, anything to say? Are we completely insane or... Um, what you're saying, I guess a lot of people will come up. I did want to tell a quick story about Gelato's past. When we first started up, I found, you know, I was like, hey, who's this sunny guy? You know, I clicked on his profile. I found his, uh, you know, uh, website. I actually sent him emails like, hey, two random guys from New York. This is our background. Here's a LinkedIn. We kind of want to build this type of gaming platform. Literally, like in 20 minutes, this guy's like, hey, you want to go for a drink tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, sure. We met up at our favorite bar, Key Bar. And he's talking about randomness. You know, when first Gelato first started out, we were thinking about, hey, how can we integrate, you know, uh, uh, Osmo LPs? Like, you can maybe stake in an LP. You know, this was our first thoughts around staking of the house, kind of revolves around Osmo LPs. So we ran the idea by, you know, Sunny. And eventually he kind of centered us back, like, hey, build a fun game, do this crazy stuff. And he told a story about, you know, when he first got into uh, like Web3 and stuff, him and his friends will stay up and they found this game called Crash or something. You basically buy in and the value of the asset you have, it continues to keep increasing. So you're basically trying to see how high you can get it. And at some point it just crashes all the way to zero and you've lost everything. So I'm definitely- Well, somebody can, somebody, because somebody presses the button and, and they take it, they take the, the pot. Exactly. Something like so that. So like the game that Sunny described, at some point I definitely would love to build it Maybe make an Osmo theme in somewhere. Just like, I feel like that night he really inspired me. You know, we were really wrapped on this idea of that, hey, a house had to be some type of deck, some place where there's a lot of liquidity. But I feel like he really at least helped me go like, hey, that's fucking bullshit. You don't have to do that. You can take an asset or assets or whatever, and you can build your own house in some way. And he really got us back on the path of building a game. So 
it's gonna be interesting when we because that game crash still exists. I've seen it in other casinos. Every game we do is never gonna be straightforward. Even our video poker is gonna have a gelato twist to it somehow. So I'm not sure what the twist we're gonna have on that crash game, but I think a game like that would be fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So any other last thoughts from the group before I go to Korean barbecue? Oh, let the man go. His wife is hungry. <laughs> Daniel, did we keep you up too late or will Dave and I be able to uh, test Mortal Kombat at Korean Barbecue? Because we're really praying. You said yes. The first time you, de- you released Mortal Kombat, we were at, you know, Korean Barbecue. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I think I, I should be able to do it. This, let's see. I don't know if I can get it done in the next, you know, 10, 20 minutes. Then, yeah. Dude, do it up and put uh, in your pizza tomorrow or maybe like a pound of weed, you know, whatever you prefer. Um, hmm. my god, a pound? We don't think I'm first festival in New York now. It's crazy that a guy comes to my house in a fucking suitcase. He's like, hey, here's all the amazing (laughs) stuff that you could have. And you know, I just pick out what I want. Yeah, it's it's, a wonderful life. New York has really changed in that regard. You know, the you can just walk into a random deli or bodega or smoke shop now and just ask for a few loose joints, and they have it. They're just there, you go. It's like we literally did that. I think what two weeks ago, Daniel and I and fiance, my wife, we went out for like Spanish food and we stepped outside. Like, damn, I wish I had a blunt right now. And we saw a smoke shop, they didn't advertise weed or anything. I walked in, like, yo, you guys got a blunt? The guy looks around, hands me like a blank, you know, brown paper (laughs) where he like written down what blunts he has. We picked out something great, I think it was runs. We went outside and smoked it. Like, this is fucking New York City. Like, I had a friend, his name was Freddie. And in the 80s, he had a roach in his car, and they tried throwing him in prison for years. We're going from roaches in car to you can go and smoke and do weed wherever you want in New York City. There are these Rasta guys who hang out in the Prospect Park. It's the Central Park of Brooklyn. And they, they just carry with them. On, like, next to the, they're sitting on the bench, and next to, the, next to them is like a giant bag of weed. It's just like an enormous like a pillowcase-sized bag. You know, I don't know why they need that much out there, but it's amusing nonetheless. It definitely has become a lot more free uh, in that regard here. And, you know, considering that we were in Colorado uh, last week, you know, that they still had these elaborate procedures that you have to go to in that the, at the dispensaries, you know, you got to show your ID and then they move you from one, from one holding cell into another, and then you can go into the main area and shop and it's like, you know, highly regulated. And then, but they've had it, you know, legalized for years and now we have it here and it's just, you just go in, you ask for a loose joint, and you get it. It's just New York has a really different attitude towards these. This is why New York is so ahead of the curve. The fact that you can go to any bodega, get a brown bag, and drink a forty. You know, I, I sometimes drink a forty just because of the fact that I can do it. You go to most states, you can't do that. You have a brown bag, fucking cops will beat you. But New York City, you can do it. Last time I did that was in college, I think. You know, get drinking a forty. <laughs> Dude, forties are See, fucking incredible. <laughs> listen, I'm more of a like a wine in a can. Like I'll get the <laughs> wine in a can, so it looks like a, you know, Pepsi or some shit. So no mm. one knows. <laughs> Good idea. Take that anywhere on the subway. <laughs> oh, and actually, before we go, it seems like we actually do have someone up from the community to talk. So Adam, I'm giving you access. The floor is yours. Thank you so much for uh, coming up. No, I just wanted to jump on this uh, to talk about uh, weed. I am so jealous, man. Uh, I just recently moved from Oregon to Texas and I looked up Texas laws and I'm like, crap. So I left everything in Oregon and haven't had anything for like a month now. It's really strict. Yeah. I, I, I generally, I, I go more towards gummies myself. Um, 
and they're they're much harder on that it seems than just like loose leaf so i got scared yeah you don't want to mess with uh mess with them the not, cops not not here in texas so yeah <laughs> dude i wish i could just magically teleport you a lot of my good stuff but you know if you lived in California or more specifically around Lake Tahoe, there probably would have been good news. <laughs> no, I guess I'll sneak this little, I'll sneak this piece of alpha. So we have a friend down there where him and his brother are basically grow, trying to grow out a legal weed operation. Nice. They're doing a great job. These guys are growers and we're trying to work out a deal with them. where on launch. There's going to be some benefits from holding gelato NFTs, which is a discount on weeds or, you know, quantity or whatever. But my hope is, you know, a lot of people definitely won't hear about it. Like, how many gelato owners are actually or NFT holders are in like Lake Tahoe? Not that many, but the hope is an idea like that from Will Spark. It starts at Tahoe, maybe greater California area. Before you know it, we're in Colorado, but that's definitely the dream that I want to pursue. That'd be cool. Was there anything else, Adam, you want to dive into before uh, we call it? No, no. I just, I'm super excited about everything. I love all that you guys are doing and I think it's great. Dude, thank you so much, and thank you so much for being part of the Gelato community. Like, you're there helping, busting your ass, making great content. People like you, you matter, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. As soon as, you know, CoinBat's ready, I'll get a video going. All right. Uh, apparently, I Daniel said the 20 minutes, but we're going to call it here so Daniel can make this thing work <laughs> so I can play during Korean barbecue. No pressure. Bye, everybody. All right. Peace out, guys. Bye. We'll see you guys next Bye, guys. week. Stop by Gelato Discord if you haven't already. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the Gelato Weekly Space, recorded on Thursday, June 1st, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Now, if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support meow. in like Taoism. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the bird app, listening to nerds flap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly. They just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up their bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preaching open sauce, but don't listen to the code. And now it's mutiny, community uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side of the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking West Side shit, needle and noose, sticking with my armory, Yambeto and Bruce, repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth, like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Is it really worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. We started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fit 
bits Are you left with this kibble when you lose all them bits? And that kibble's just sawdust The shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee-jerk More evolution, less shitcoin preachers Pretending to be teachers, y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat, now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat. If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you, you would be like, don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it. Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost us a lot more than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.